all my brothers and sisters in Christ and Lions fans. <laughs> the uh, scripture today is on Daniel, out of Daniel 5, verses 25 to 31. This is the inscription that was written, Mia Mia Tikal Upherzen, which means numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. This is an interpretation of the message. Mia, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and put an end to it. Tiko, you have been weighed on the scales of righteousness and found deficient. Pearls, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Meds and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple and a chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation concerning him was issued, declaring that he now had authority as a third ruler in the kingdom. During the same night, Belshazzar, the last Chaldean king, was slain by troops of the invading army. So Darius the Med received the kingdom. He was about the age of 62. To start message, I've asked the band to learn a new song. I'm going to ask you to stay seated. This is a song by Johnny Cash. And it tells the story of Daniel 5 in an incredible way through music. Bring it home, baby. Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land. Around the city he built a wall and declared that Babylon would never fall. Well, he had concubines and wives. He called his Babylon a paradise. And on his throne he drank and ate, but for Belshazzar it was getting late. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, it couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, the people feasted and drank their wine and praised the false gods of his time. All holy things they scorned and mocked, but suddenly all their mocking stopped. For on the wall there appeared a hand, nothing else, and there was no man. In blood the hand began to ride, and Belshazzar couldn't hide his fright. For he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. His houses were built upon the sand. Well, no one around could understand what was written by the mystic hand. Belshazzar tried but couldn't find a man who could give him peace of mind. But Daniel the prophet, a man of God, he saw the writing on the wall in blood. And Belshazzar asked him what it said, and Daniel turned to the wall and read. My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. 
Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your houses are built upon the sand. My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your houses are built upon the sand. Dude, that's so great. <laughs> I even asked Ricky, I'm like, listen, if you sing to cash, you got to be the man in black. See, we're all black today. <laughs> all right, we're in Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. Um, let's see here. So to start off, we'll start here. As a church, we have a slogan, a saying, a motto, a mission. Speak Jesus. Serve Flint. Obey the king. We've been saying this for about a year and a half now, but before this mission, we said it differently. We used to say, for Jesus, for Flint, and for the kingdom. Now that, I think that probably sounds a little cooler, but the thing is that being for something is a very passive word. I can be for something in my mind, but if I'm, I'm a fan of it. I wanted to use active words. We're not merely for Jesus. We are called to speak Jesus to the world we live in. We bring his message. We bring his gospel. We bring his name into the world, and we say it out loud. We speak Jesus. And we're not just for, we're, we're saying we're for Flint. We're not merely passively for the city. We are called to make our city a better place. We serve the city of Flint. You know, at our um, food pantry every month, one thing we're told that people that come, people will say, you know, I go to, I've been to other food pantries in the city, and often we're treated like cattle being put through. Just get them through. Get them out of here. I'm annoyed that you're here. They say, when you guys, take, when, you, when we come to your church, everyone that talks to us seems to care about us. And when they're not annoyed by us, you actually give a rip. We serve our city. We love our city. The last one used to, be, used to be for the kingdom. We changed that to obey the king. This was the hardest of the three. I almost said follow. Because obey is a strong word. But I wanted a strong word. Because a disciple of Jesus is called to obey. And I thought I was just saying obey God. There are many metaphors used in the Bible of God. God is a father. God is a shepherd. God is a mother hen designed to bring his people underneath her wings. All these metaphors are beautiful. But for Americans, the king metaphor is hard for us because we have no king. We're a democracy. We have an elected president. The president has some authority and have unlimited power like a king would. But the Bible describes God Almighty like a king with authority and power and might. So we say 
that if you love Jesus, then God is your king. And if God is your king, you are called to obey him. Today we talk about God as king. We begin in verse 18. Daniel, the old man, stands before Belshazzar. Belshazzar is the king of Babylon. Belshazzar has thrown a party for a thousand of his politicians. His appointees, if you will. During the party, Belshazzar gets lit and decides to ask to have all the vessels of Yahweh brought into the palace so he can drink from them. It's a very disrespectful move. He's disrespecting the God of heaven. He wants to show, I have no regard for this God. While they're drinking and carrying on, a hand appears floating. I love how Jenny Cash says it. There was a hand, there was no man. And it's true. It's just a hand floating in the air. It's writing into the wall. And the party immediately slows down. People freak out, as you would. The king calls his wise men, his, his soothsayers, his witch doctors, and no one can tell him what it means. But the queen mother, his mama comes in and says, Son, your father had a, a prophet from Judah, from Jerusalem. And whenever he got stuck, he would call Daniel, and Daniel would tell him what was going on. So he calls old man Daniel. Old man Daniel comes into the room. Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, says, I will buy you. And the, Daniel says, you keep your money. I don't want your money. I'll tell you what God has for you to stay. And he reads the writing on the wall. This is what happens next, verse 18. He says, O king Belshazzar, the most high God, granted the kingdom, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. I mean, he, this moment, Daniel gives mad love to Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, your pops, he had grandeur, glory, and majesty. Your father built a mighty empire. Babylon was dope. But notice what he says earlier. He goes, the most high God granted the kingdom to your dad. All that power your dad had, God gave it to him. He didn't build it by his own strength. The God of heaven allowed him to have it. Then he says, and because of the grandeur which God bestowed on him. Again, Daniel makes it a point to say where the authority comes from. Because of the grandeur which God bestowed on him. All the peoples, nations, men of every tongue, they feared and were in dread before Nebuchadnezzar. Whomever he wished, he killed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he raised up. Whomever he wished, he made low. The king had power, authority. If someone dishonored the king, the king could take his life. He could go like this. That dude was dead. That's authority and power we can't imagine. It's good to be king. Verse 21. But, verse 20, but when his heart was raised up and his spirit became so strong that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. 
God's like, I gave him the power, and guess what? I took that power away. He was also driven away from the sons of men. His heart was made like that of beasts, and the place of his habitation was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of the sky until he knew that the Most High God is the powerful ruler of the kingdom of mankind and that he set, it up, set up over it whomever he wishes. He tells Belshazzar a story. Your dad was a mighty king. He had grander majesty and power, so much so the nations of the earth trembled before him. But he got high and mighty in his own heart. And so God Almighty put him low. Took his mind away from him. And for seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar lived outside under the dew of heaven, eating mushrooms and the bark of trees, unable to speak in human language. It says his hair grew long like eagle's feathers, his nails like reptiles curling up under themselves. He lost his mind. God put him low. As Daniel 4 ends by saying, those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. It said he, was, he lost his mind until he knew, until he realized, until he learned that God is the powerful ruler over the kingdom of mankind and that he sets up over it whomever he wishes. That is our first truth this morning. God the king gives kingdoms to whomever he wishes. Which means that Putin over in Russia, invading the Ukraine, his authority here the world has not gone off its rails. It means that Modi the president of India, who under his reign allows the Hindu majority to persecute and murder Muslims and Christians with little to no fear of consequence. God let that man go. When evil people have authority, God has allowed that to take place. He is still in control. Let's make it more personal. It's an election year this year. And it looks like at this moment, it's a rematch of 2020, right? For many believers, it puts them in a tough spot. Who do I vote for? On one hand, I have a man whose character I do not trust. On the other hand, I have a man whose mental capacity I do not trust. What do I do? And some of us here have strong opinions. I got strong opinions, you have strong opinions, strong opinions. We might give money to people's campaigns, put people's signs in our yards. We might canvas neighborhoods and say, who are you voting for? Da -da -da -da. And your clipboard style it up. You, that, that might be you. You're politically active. That's fine. Election night, some of you might stay up late to see who's going to win it all. Oh, no, Arizona went this color. Oh, no. So you watch the election results. And then when the night is over, they declare someone to be president. In my life, when, when can we vote? 18 or 21? 18. Since I was 18, I could finally vote. Every 
every election I've been a part of, some Christian leader has said, this is the most important election of our lifetime. And they'll say, if you don't vote this way, we're going to lose America. Listen, if you believe in God, why do we live in such fear? The Lord God of heaven gives the kingdoms of the earth to whoever he wishes. Listen, I vote. I have an opinion. I do vote a certain way. But if it doesn't go my way, I am not afraid. I know that God Almighty is the ruler of all things. I, even if America voted in a crazy, anti-Jesus, burn all the churches down, even if that happened, I trust the Lord. I trust this is for a purpose and a reason. Maybe a little persecution would be good for us. The Lord God of heaven gives kingdoms of the earth to whomever he wishes. Stop living in so much fear. It goes on. Verse 22. Yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not made your heart lowly, even though you knew all this. Belshazzar, you knew your dad lived outside for seven years. Your mama had to go bring him like real food and try to keep him from like, eating his own face, you know? Like you were alive and saw what the God of heaven did to your dad. And when he woke up and came back to his sanity, you heard him say, you heard him sing songs of praise to the God of heaven. Never cares if he becomes a Christian or becomes a follower of God, follower of Yahweh. Like you saw it and yet you did not heed it. Verse 23, but you have raised yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles and your wives, the concubines, have been drinking wine from them. And you praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now, we might, we might not praise gods of wood, iron, stone, and wood. We have other gods to pray, to pray to, the gods of entertainment, the gods of pleasure, the gods of leisure. You praise these false gods. It says, they do not see, hear, or know. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways, you have not honored. You know, you should have known that God was the great God, and you had not honored him. Truth number two is this. God the king deserves our honor. God, the king, in whose hands is our life breath, deserves our honor. Now, here's the thing about us. As Americans, we are, a, we are not a formal society. We are a low honor society. I mean, literally, our country was founded on rebellion. Right? Tax my tea, war. That's who we are as a people. We, we like fighting authority. I mean, in Maine, their state slogan is live free or die. Is that Maine? Who is that? New Hampshire? Okay, one of those guys up in the New England area. Live free or die. We love in America, we love 
David versus Goliath. We love an individual staying up against the authority structures and giving them the finger. We love that stuff. But the Bible talks a lot about honor and giving honor to honor is due. Let's go to politics for a moment. I've seen so many believers in Christ, and not just conservative, liberal too, no one gets a pass today. If your person don't win, the way we talk is so dishonorable. Not my president. I've heard people say, the president walked in, I wouldn't stand up, I wouldn't shake his hand, I would dishonor him to his face. This is not the way of Christ. It's not the way of Christ. Honor to whom honor is due. This is true not just to politicians, but to all authority in our life. I teach my kids, you honor your teachers. You show honor to whom honor is due. If a teacher called me and told me my kids was bad, <laughs> it's not a good day for them. The police who police our lands. Let me say this. This is controversial to say out loud. I'm going to say it anyway. Know this. I have been pulled over unjustly. I have... I've been pulled over and policemen have asked if my wife was safe with me because of who I am and how I looked. As a 12-year-old child, I was very tall for my age. I was taken by police. I was roughed up. And only after three employees of Meyer came out to say, this guy didn't do nothing wrong, the police let me go. They even said, he confessed to the crime, and I had just had nothing of the sort. I have been treated unjustly by the authority of our world, but guess what? I still show honor to the police because Christ has called me to do so. If I get pulled over, I'm respectful. I say, sir, I say, thank you. I have my license stuff because this is what God has called me to do, to honor, to show honor, honor is due. This is true of the authority of our world. It's also true about God, our King. We are so informal as a people. We treat God. Listen, is God Father? Yes, He is. Is God friend? Yes, He is. But He is still the King. And many of us are so informal with the Lord, we treat Him dishonorably. This is not okay. It is not good. The Lord God of heaven is not a punchline to our jokes. He is, his, our life is in his hands. There is honor due there. Belshazzar did not honor the Lord. Belshazzar mocked the Lord openly, drinking from his vessels. So what happens to him? Verse 24. Then the hand that was sent from him the writing was inscribed. Now this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, aparsin. This is interpretation of the message. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. 
Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found lacking. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. These words, Mede, Mene, Tekel, and Perez, are three Babylonian words. And the question is, if they're Babylonian words, why couldn't the wise men of Belshazzar, why couldn't they interpret it? And most scholars believe in the Middle Eastern world, in the Hebrew world, oftentimes things were written down, consonants and no vowels. If you ever see like a Hebrew scroll, it looks wild because it's just a consonant with no vowels in it. A lot of scholars believe this hand wrote things in that shorthand. So all you would have is this long string of consonants with no spaces. Looks like, a, like an Ikea furniture set, you know what I'm saying? Just And so they, they don't know what that is, but Daniel is given wisdom, and he can say, oh, I know what this is. This is three words, mene, mene twice, tekel of arson. What's amazing, though, is Daniel, when he inserts the vowels, there is both the vowel, they're, they're, the words are nouns as well as verbs. When he puts in certain vowels, they're just, um, they're units of money in Babylon. There's a five spot, a dollar, and a half dollar. But if you put different vowels in, it becomes a verb. And the verbs are number, weighed, and divided. And Daniel tells him what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you've been weighed on the scales and found lacking. What a brutal insult that is. There's a movie I watched when I was in high school called A Knight's Tale. It's about jousting, starring the late Heath Ledger. At the very end of the movie, Heath Ledger wins, you know, spoiler. He defeats the Black Knight. He's with the jousting stick. The dude falls off the horse, gets a point, so he wins. And the Black Knight's on his back, just smoke. Like, what just happened? How did I lose? And Heath Ledger comes over and says the line, you've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found lacking. And when I first heard, I heard that's the movie, I was like, he told you! I didn't know it was from the Bible. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a brutal insult. But it's from the scriptures. That's what, Dan, that's what, that's what the Lord God told Belshazzar. It, the, the measure, I have measured your life, and you don't meet the requirements. That's brutal. Brutal. Somebody told me that, I'd go home and cry. You, try, you apply for a job, you come in for your third interview. Yeah, Mr. Alaniz, uh, we looked at your resume and uh, we considered it, we measured it, and we find you to be lacking. It's like, oh, okay, thanks so much. <laughs> it's brutal. Because here's the reality. And then it says the last thing, Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Meds and the Persians. Listen, all, all of these words, all three words are words of judgment. Because God, the king, judges all people. Listen, I, 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 in, in leadership classes, I've learned through psychology that when you give like employee, what do you call those employee uh, reviews, you should say three nice things and one hard thing. That's what I've been learned because how you should do a review. 
God didn't get that memo. Because <laughs> God just says mean things. God's like, bad, bad, bad. Judgment, judgment, judgment. <sighs> Listen. God the king judges Belshazzar. And God the king will judge all people. The word says, is appointed for all men wants to die, and then comes the judgment. All stand before the Lord. We're told in the scriptures that our, our righteousness, our, God, our good works, are filthy rags before the Lord. It means if any of us stand before the Lord in judgment, he will weigh our lives and say, I've weighed your life, and Ernesto, I find your life to be lacking. This is why the cross of Christ is so essential. It's why we speak Jesus. Because if you are in Christ, if you put your faith in the person of Christ and the finished work of Christ, we are told that the cross atones for the sins of humanity. That word atone means to cover. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve first sinned, and they realized their nakedness, shamed they sew like tree leaf bikinis for themselves okay and when God comes into the scene there's this little verse everyone kind of misses it says that God made animal skins and covered them covered their nakedness he killed two animals two animals died and he used their skins to cover their nakedness to atone for their sin when, I put, when we put our faith in Jesus and what he did upon that cross, when I come before the Lord and stand at the end day where all men and women will stand, the Lord God is not saying, Ernesto, I measure your life. Instead, because I'm clothed in the the Father says, oh, I see my son enter into this paradise kingdom prepared for you for the beginning of time. I come into that family. We must be in Christ because ain't no one, ain't no one good enough to be measured and found satisfactory. If every one of them, we get measured, we will be found lacking. God the King judges all people. And I hear I like stand-up comedy a lot. I've watched a lot of comedians in my day. And eventually, most of the comedians I've listened to at some point deal with this issue. I've probably heard five stand-up comedians who I really enjoy say at some point, when I stand before the Lord, they, they say it. And they make some joke out of it. There's no reverence or fear. One guy said, I was framed. You know, like, like it's not going to work. It's not going to work. God judges all people. Verse 29. So Belshazzar just got, he just got told. You know, what that, you know what it means, Belshazzar? It means you're done. It means you're done. Then Belshazzar said the word. They clothed Daniel with purple, put a necklace of gold around his neck, issued a proclamation concerning him that he now would be the third powerful ruler in the kingdom. And that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. I, I, like, I like history a lot. I subscribe right now to four history podcasts, all taught 
by like PhD history psychos. I love it. A couple years ago, I was listening to a podcast, a three and a half hour lecture on the kingdom of Babylon. It was part three, so altogether it was 12 hours on Babylon. It was nuts. It was great. And he came to the end of Babylon. What happened? How did Babylon end? And this historian talked about how there were Persian writings, the Medo-Persian Empire. They had writings of how they took Babylon, the, the empire. That one night after a great party, the Persians had an inside man who told them, there, we have a, a waterway, a causeway, and it's, it's always, at this time of year, it's very low. You we'll make sure there's no guards. You come in that way. Send your army in one by one. We'll fill up. We'll get everyone in. Then you just attack, and you'll be in the walls where anybody who knows what happens, Trojan horse style. And in one night, they took the capital of Babylon, killed the king, and Babylon was no more. And what was crazy is that historian, he first read from the Medo-Persian sources, and then he went to the book of Daniel. And he read this passage and says, even the Hebrews have the history of what happened. And I was like, Bible in the house! I love it, because the stories are true. Belshazzar died that night. He did not honor the king. And he was judged by the Lord and found wanting. And his life was forfeit that night. If you're here and you have no, if you're in your life, you've never ever submitted your life to the Lord and chosen to follow him. I encourage you to start that journey. If you're here and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I believe it's God, but I'm willing to give Jesus a try. Listen would love to, to walk with you through any of his gospels over time to see what he said and who he is. Give Jesus a chance, he'll blow your mind and he'll capture your heart. If you're here and you love the Lord and you've been covered by his royal robe and you have been made righteous by his sacrifice, but through your life you've begun to Abuse the grace that the Lord gives. Through time, God is so good, we begin to sometimes just assume the goodness will always come. I got a buddy of mine who's a alcoholic. And he told me once, he said, Pastor, I know I'm doing wrong. But God's so good to me, he always gets me off the hook. And I told him, brother, you can't just live expecting the Lord to bail you out every time. That, you are abusing the grace of your good God. And he lived that way. And for many of us, our friends, we watched his life become more and more out of control. We saw the writing on the wall of his life, but he would not hear God had to shake him to wake him up. If you're here and you love Jesus and you're living a life of dishonor before him, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. 
Don't think just because you belong to Jesus, he's not going to deal with you. He deals with his own. He does. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word that is true. You are the great king, the ruler of the kingdoms of mankind. And you put over these kingdoms whomever you wish. Lord, in this room, let us be a people who honor you, who worship you, who love you, who obey you. And one day we'll stand before you, Lord. And we, will be, we, we are unworthy. We'll stand before you unworthy, dirty hands, bloody hands before you. And Lord, you will see that we are clothed in your son, Jesus Christ, and you will welcome us into your home. So Father, thank you so much for your patience, for your grace, for your love. We worship you as king. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.